Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 15. This episode is called Recovery Plus Spotlight. I'm doing things a little differently. Um, during these episodes specifically, I will be highlighting people and organizations that are doing actually really cool stuff in their communities. My next guest is Dr. Tara J. Dr. J is the founder and executive director of Youth Scene, an organization that concentrates on QT BIPOC mental health and wellness in Colorado. In this role, they serve as an advocate to decolonize mental health and wellness by providing greater access to resources for their community. In 2021, Dr. J co-founded and co-created Black Pride Colorado. Beyond their role as executive director, advocate, and co-creator, Dr. J also consults with a wide range of nonprofits and organizations on the work of acknowledging, deconstructing, and rebuilding systems from an equitable perspective. To add to the list of all the creative activities, Dr. J also serves as an executive coach, curator, a IDEA, Individuals Dedicated to Excellence and Achievement Curriculum Developer, and as a consultant for public media to provide accurate representation and perspective of their LGBTQ plus BIPOC community in storytelling and media. Take a listen. Welcome, Dr. J. Thank you for being here on my podcast. Thank you. So this is episode 15, and we get a spotlight in organization, Dr. Tara J, and their organization on youth scene and so many other things. So let's just get started. Um, what problems were you wanting to address that led to creating youth scene? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, so the, the organization started in 2017, and we were in a very different um societal situation in 2017 than where we are now so in 2017 my focus really was having access to mental health and while you know there still needed to be some tilling uh <laughs> within just how we acknowledge folks of color we were not in that space just yet. So when looking at youth scene, it, I started it out as LGBTQ folks as a whole, mm -hmm. uh, because in 2017, there still wasn't that flexibility of actually acknowledging, hey, we're talking about folks of color and more specifically black folks. Mm -hmm. As time has come through, it was really an acknowledgement of what mental health and wellness looks like for folks of color and how that shows up. And, you know, what you talk about a lot within recovery and what does it actually mean to be in a recovery mode with all of the healing mm -hmm. that we are starting to learn because it's not taught to us. Um, so, yeah, you've seen really is the sole focus is mental health and wellness for queer, trans, non-binary folks of color. And we welcome anyone under the umbrella of LGBTQ. So yeah, that's that's the focus and our programmings speak to the different areas. So we have camp scene, which is for our young folks and for our older folks, because I really do think that it, it impacts the staff just as much as it does. I'm the sure. Youth. 
And it is getting folks out in nature and having that space that is safer. I'm not going to say safe. It's safer um, and not having those eyes that are constantly suspicious and really Mm -hmm. having our young folks just engage of what it means to be in nature. We have Black Pride Colorado, which was started in 2020, which is a focus on Black, queer, trans, non-binary folks. Um, and however we want to show up and I'm really focusing on that joy and on an everyday level, but also what does it mean to thrive? Because we, we can no longer stay in that survival mode because it, it doesn't fuel us. We have trans scene, which focuses on our families um, and making sure that trans and non-binary folks are seen and have access because there is a very specific way to have affirming resources uh, for our folks and we have our our clinical aspect which is you know what does it look like for mm, traditional yet non-traditional one-on-one therapy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is youth scene that's a lot and i'm wondering so from a from a youth perspective that accesses these services what kind of things have you seen what kind of trends now as as you've seen has grown that you see that they experience? You know, before March of 2020, it was, there was more access for young folks to be able to connect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with the pandemic, it felt like there was this sever. And while social media and online services platforms were in abundance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that access for youth dwindled. Um, They didn't have the, you know, the connection in person, that socialization within schools because they were at home on zoom and, you know, having to get up and just stare at a screen. They didn't, they didn't want to do it. And then it became, you know, even more so that social media became like, what, what I call it a lot with, with my youth is the death scroll. There was many mm. times that I was still doing sessions with my youth, and sometimes the only way to get them to talk or to open up was they would share their screen and show me what video game they were playing and, you know, wow. getting excited about what that actually looks like. And as we were, you know, going through the different scenes and the games, I, I would be asking, well, what's coming up for you as you're able to accomplish this thing? Mm-hmm. And it was this altered reality for you to be able to start speaking about what was coming up for them. And I am still seeing as we are somewhat back in person, um, there's still a disconnect and a lot of youth are going to social media to find those resources and there's still a disconnect. So it's really looking at what services are are out there for youth and how how we are going to them instead of waiting for youth to come to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think a lot of times youth are feeling very much unseen and unheard and it needs to be a big thing before they're acknowledged. Absolutely. Which is is frustrating. Sure, because um, there's studies showing that depression is higher now and mental health issues with our young people. Um, I would imagine in youth of color and the folks that you see through your facility, you're seeing depression, anxiety. Um, Does addiction show up as well? 
oh, yeah. it's a co-occurring situation. Yeah. yeah, it's coming. It's coming up in different ways, right? Like mm-hmm. we have the traditional sense of signs to look at, and sure. now there's even more so. But also acknowledging that, like with these studies that are coming up, but like let's really look at where those studies are coming from, and sure. they're really only coming from one demographic, mm-hmm. um, because our youth of color don't actually acknowledge what's coming up for them. Depression is actually a baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. it's okay, so yeah, you're struggling with this. When have you ever not dealt with this? It's right. almost like you're born into it. So it's looking at the different ways that the addiction, the depression, ADHD comes up Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and how people are really coping and surviving through it instead of getting the resources because there's a lack of resources. But as a resource, how are um, young folks coming to you now? Most of this, um, most of the youth come in through social media. That's how we're, that's how we're finding them. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times it is also when we're going into the schools and we, we pop up and do little workshops or whatnot, and then we'll stay after and youth will come in and be like, I didn't even know that you existed. Mm -hmm. How do we get involved? But without my parents knowing, like, how, how do you balance that? Um, And yeah, just the events that we have in the community, because we do try to show up in in different areas, uh, different festivals that we know youth are going to attend Mm -hmm. and, you know, just giving them giving them that space where it's like we're here and, you know, I know it may not be comfortable because you're with your parents, but also like (laughs) we're still here. This is how you can find us. Check us out on social media. And we we respond to all of the messages that come through. That's amazing. Um, In youth of color, especially in the black community, how is mental health addressed? Or, well, let me rephrase. How do folks in, in the black community look at mental health that you've experienced? It's still a difficult topic to talk about, right? It's not it's not normalized. However, in our space, it very much is sure. normalized. Sure, sure. Um, wh- what I absolutely enjoy is the fact that within our work situation because our staff need to be taken care of first before they can put it out into the community and we we have our own things that we need to work through right where it's you know our workplace trauma and how we're navigating things but what does it actually mean to have supports and we do have staff um, who are currently working with us where it's I don't know what to do with these resources this is the first time that I've ever had access to it so it's how do I even put this in the community if I don't actually know how to navigate it? Um, and it's being able to make space for, you know, when feelings come up. Okay, so you're showing up like this. Mm-hmm. Let's actually talk about it and it's okay. And then having that reflected within our community and working with our young folks. Um, specifically with our camp that we had this year in July, there was a lot of that where not only were the youth trying to relax their nervous system and be able to talk about what was coming up for them we had to make space for staff and let them process through where it's these youth are getting these resources and i don't even know how to navigate these things where it's i'm providing this and this is what i actually need um and being able to balance those that out where just as much as our youth are important, so so are our, our adults mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, young adults and being able to navigate it because it's, 
these resources are still new. What does it actually look like to navigate them? And how difficult have you found for folks to ask for help? Oof, super difficult, super difficult. Um, what did you think is the main? Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I think it's still looked at as a weakness, right? Stigma. Where if I'm asking you for help, that actually means I'm acknowledging my weakness. I also don't want you to judge me. And now I have all of this shame in being able to ask for that. Instead of, hey, this is actually a strength that I can acknowledge what it is I need mm -hmm. and want right now. And knowing that you have access to that resource, can you show me how to navigate this? Complicated. Yeah. And yeah. so for the staff in... I mean, when you're talking about some of this is like fatigue, right? Oh, yeah. To deal with navigating all these resources and the staff feeling their own stuff and getting exposed to other young people that could trigger their own stuff too. That's a lot to hold. Um, so what kind of space is created for the staff so they can kind of know how to model that for the young people? <laughs> this is actually talked about with um, me and my operations director, <coughs> excuse me, often where it's, what does that look like? We offer a generous amount of time off. And with that time off, we do ask that when you were taking a day off, you were not looking at emails, you're not responding to texts, especially when it comes to work. Um, we are also acknowledging that when people are sick, uh, and this was a learning process for a couple of folks. They have always done the routine of, I know I'm sick, but I'm still coming in because I don't want that to be reflected on me that I'm not doing my job. People come in sick and I'm like, what, what are you even doing here? How about you take the day, go to urgent care, go to your doctor, get some rest mm -hmm. and we'll check in with you. Um, checking in and being like, do you actually have enough food at the house so that you can take that break and making sure that we are doing those small things to check in on folks and following up with them, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think it's more of that, that conversation where the shame is not needed. Like you can actually undo that and mm -hmm. it is okay to rest that i mean that's that's a part of the process that's a big one yeah. though yeah you have to take care of yourself before you can show up for anyone else so we we do take that very seriously we are very adamant on um taking taking breaks as a whole and coming together and doing it i think one of the most um healing for me is I I planned a trip for myself last November I think it was and my staff all knew they knew that I had not taken a break and I was I was going to Puerto Rico and at one point because we did we were spending so much time together I said you know what let's close the office Y'all need to figure out how to get there because tickets were dirt cheap at that point <laughs> I said figure it out there's a space for y'all to say. And when I showed up, the staff was there and they said, we're ready. And it was wow. a week long vacation that we turned into a retreat and really spent the time and talking about what was coming up for us at work wow. and, you know, working through the pandemic and what it actually mm -hmm. means to like be in a different space where it's nonprofits, 
have a very specific way of dealing with things. And I said, I am not doing that in this organization. So what does it look like to be different? And when we came back, it was hilarious because of course they're posting, you know, they're, they're at this you know, work retreat. And I had other, other EDs mm -hmm. in the community be like, how are you just going to take your staff to Puerto Rico? And oh, like, now we have to deal with it. And I was like, but that's the thing. The only thing I provided was a roof. That was it. They had to pay for everything for them to come in. And what does it even look like to have that, you know, to be like, oh, I can, I can actually do something different. And the majority of my staff had never left what I will call the mainland of, you know, the US. So it's like, oh, we're going to an island. What does that mean? How does this show up? So it's offering those those opportunities to be able to think differently and think out think outside of the box. I mean, you're you're doing that, and then for all the different services you're providing these young people, that's out of the box. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many young folks are like, let's be in nature, especially if they're urban youth. You know, um, right. I don't know how many would like to take walks on the beach or really hug a tree or really just be in nature and see the power of that. But you did that for your staff in Puerto yeah. Rico. Not bad, <laughs> it's a great <laughs> spot. That's amazing though to do that because I think what you're saying is it's about permission and acknowledgement mm -hmm. of what is needed, even yeah. though it might be hard. So when you were doing all of this from 2017 on, how was the response in Colorado with you seeing? Oof. Can I ask that? <laughs> yeah, you can. And it, you know, it's always, it's, I always have to step back because it, I mean, it was a struggle, you know, from sure, 2017 sure. to 2020, no one cared. And what I mean by no one cared, it was, yeah, we see you, but we're going to see what you can actually do without money before we actually give you money, which was a struggle. Oh. And then it was, March of 2020 that all of a sudden it was like, okay, so we need to pull back. And then with all of the stuff that was happening, there was, you know, the urgency to acknowledge black organizations mm -hmm. and black lives. Right. And with that, <clears throat> it was almost like a faucet of funding came in. Wow. And we were grateful. Sure. We were we were very grateful. And I was highly suspicious that I was like, we're checking a box because we're gonna get this, we're gonna get this funding, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it's gonna go back to a trickle, which it absolutely did. So while many foundations and folks who granted money out, they saw the urgency in that moment. And what they don't realize is that now is even more important because you can't throw all this money in and then be like, okay, and now we're taking it back. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to sustain? And it's not over for us. We're still dealing with it. And even more so now, because what we're dealing with now is the fact that it's being acknowledged that it was, let's check the box. So our big thing is sustaining that and making sure that that money is mm -hmm. still at the same level so that we are still able to provide the services that we were previous instead of pulling that money 
which then puts a void in the services right. and doesn't allow us to really show up in the community in the way that we are being asked currently. And how is that? What are you being asked? We, we have, we have a lot of need. Mm -hmm. We, we are being asked to show up in the community even more so With less. than what was in 2020 and 2021. And it's because people are starting to, to settle into, Hey, my mental health is off. And mm -hmm. now it's just sitting, Oh, wait, I can talk about this. And yes, there are resources and there's affirming services that get culturally what I'm going through. And we struggle because the funding is not there. But the need is even more. The need is even more. That is not a surprising situation, though, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and your mission, obviously, is needed. And you saw this in 2017 and more so now. I mean, what is the future that you hope to see for you seen, knowing the circumstance? What, what my dream is, is for us to be in a space that we are sustainable. Sure. Instead of continuing to struggle and constantly be asking for money. Like I want to get to a point where it's sure we're going to apply for all the grants and whatnot, sure. but also know that we don't have to worry about that, that there is enough coming in that we can sustain ourselves while also providing those resources into the community. Because without them, the community suffers yeah. and the next generation suffers. Yeah. So it feels very no brainer to me, right? And obviously to your organization. Um, and you do some other work as well, correct? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I wonder, because you've seen, and then how did Black Pride Colorado come out about, and you do some consulting work as well with diversity, equity, and inclusion kind of yes. stuff. How does mm -hmm. this all come about? So yeah, Black Pride came about in 2020. It was from a conversation that I had with uh, our <clears throat> co-creator, um, Terrell, who is known in the community as Miss Zara, mm -hmm. um, who is a pretty prominent drag queen within our community. Um, and she came in to do, I always get this wrong, drag story time. So we were really trying to just engage with our young folks and mm -hmm. we set up a Zoom call and she read a couple of books and was uh, allowing for youth to be able to, to access it, which was phenomenal. Wow. To to be on screen and see 30 or 40 families just like watching as she's telling these stories, which, you know, definitely melted my heart. <laughs> and afterwards I was sitting there and I, you know, was like, I'm really excited about all of the things and maybe we can open back up and be back in person. And I said, you know, what is missing in Denver is black pride. And she just kind of looked at me and was like, you're right. And I said, black pride in all of the other cities is just amazing. Cause it's like, you get to just be in space with other queer black folks, which is, sure. which is, you know, recharging and mm -hmm. just being able to see like beauty all around you. And, you're not alone. and we just sat there 
And she looked at me and she was like, what are you thinking? And I was like, I think you know what I'm thinking. And she was like, "Mm -mm, nope, that's too much. So this was on Valentine's Day in 2020. And I went back and sat on it for a little bit and um, called a friend at the time who is now my fiance and was like, what are your thoughts around this? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, what's up? Um, And Ebony was like definitely the one that pushed and I called Terrell and said, hey, this is what we're doing. And he was like, oh, okay, let's do it. And then we came up with a group um, of other co-creators and about seven of us. And we really got that started in April, end of April. And June was our first event, and we had four days of just events all over the place. Wow. And we still sit back and say, in eight weeks, we were able to just plan a week like of just wow. events and pulling people together. And it just kept going. So this year, we celebrated our second, um, our second week. Wow. Thank you. And then at the um, beginning of October, we have our second weekend, which we call Black Fantasy Weekend. Mm-hmm. And it is really a spotlight on our ballroom culture. And yeah, oh, like we amazing. just we just kept it going, um, which has been eye opening. It has also opened up a lot of conversations specifically in Denver. Um, and being able to see how other Black prides are functioning and making a difference in their community and adding Denver to that. That's fucking fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Um, tell me, talk a little bit about Black excellence. That has been something I've seen. Black excellence. So for me, Black excellence is actually just being acknowledged for the work that we were already doing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And oftentimes being told to be quiet about it or other people taking our work. So Black excellence is just saying, hey, we're here. We're still doing the same things and often changing things. Mm -hmm. And you also need to acknowledge the Um, intellectual property that we are putting into things, uh, the energy and how many times movements are done off of Black folks back and more specifically Black women Mm -hmm. and Black trans women. So it's like, okay, what does that look like? And is it excellence or are we setting a standard? Absolutely. So that's the whole conversation. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that sounds yes. great. And okay, well, well we're going to have to do part two at some point. Yes. But I that's mean, a whole different conversation. Yes, but a really important one. And I think that's, you know, to, to see what the needs are in a community. And, and let me ask you this how long have you been in Colorado? Actually. I moved to Colorado in 2017. So oh. it was very quickly. Wow. I think it was only four months that I was here. And then I started Youth Scene. Um, because previous to that, I was doing consulting um, and really looking at what, um, yeah, idea. So I am really getting caught into what it means to, to switch, like what DEI is and idea. So inclusion, diversity, equity, and access uh-huh. um, and what that, what that looks like. And not only doing it in the nonprofit space, 
but also within media. So I work a great deal within public media and what it means to have representation and representation not only visually, Mm -hmm. but also in historical references and making sure that stories are told raw and not with that lens of we need to protect the, excuse my language, the fuckery that was and whitewashing it essentially, Mm -hmm. where it's, no, we need to tell the story for what it is so that we can learn from those mistakes and maybe not do it again. Because when we keep making the same mistakes, it is because we don't have the correct information. And people are afraid and want to stay blind to the truth. That part. Right. There's that part. The shit is true. So what do you want to do about that? Um, So let's get back to you, Scene, for a second. Some of the listeners may be in that age group that you serve. And if they are questioning or exploring their who I am-ness, if I could Mm -hmm. say that, um, that are of color, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them? Reach out. I think that's the biggest thing. Reach out. Don't don't silence yourself. There are folks out here that get it and are open to listening. I think there's there's something to be said around when you have access, also knowing that there's going to be someone next to you who's navigating it with you. And I think that's a big part of what we do is in youth scene where we don't just say, oh yeah, here's the map. This is what you need to know. (laughs) We're walking with you. We're going to appointments with you. We're making phone calls with you. We're going, you know, to different events with you. Like we're making sure that you essentially have, you know, a partner in this where you don't, you don't have to do it alone. And if they are afraid to ask for help, similar to that stigma of weak, because mental health isn't really talked about or mm-hmm. given permission to speak about, what would you say to them? Try to engage with us as a start. You know, sometimes it's not just digging in and going deep. <laughs> sometimes right. it's you see me in the community, you know what it is I do. And when you're comfortable, like when you have had a couple of interactions with me or anyone on staff, mm-hmm. you'll learn that we're here. You know, the big thing that we provide is consistency. If it's anything else, which is we're still here, we're giving you space. And when you're ready, mm-hmm. we'll have that conversation. And if you're not ready, that's cool too. And we're still going to be in the community and just doing our thing. I think you should be in every city. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, there's a need. I, I'm kind of not kidding. There, there is an absolute need. Um, is there anything else you would add at this point for you seen in your work? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things too, where like there's so much, but then also yes. when I sit there and I'm like, oh yeah, but there's also not a lot, like there is a simplicity to it where we you always have that friend growing up where everyone goes to like there's always that house in the neighborhood right and we're that house where it's like half the time when we're walking in i have no idea who is there 
but it's like, oh, we know that we can go to this. And one, we know that we're going to have a good time. Two, we know that the folks who are working in this organization are open to all the conversations, mm-hmm. even the most ridiculous ones, um, to to some of the hard ones, right? Mm-hmm. And we're also just a space where it's like, I just need to come in and be. We're here for that too. Amazing. Well, Dr. J, thank you so much for spending time with me and telling about your amazing organization and all the work that you are doing and knowing that there's more to come and hopefully you've seen as seen broader. Um, again, I appreciate you being on Spotlight here with us. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast. Buck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. May Lee Hennon, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting. You can find my podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.